Welcome to the space between. It is so crazy to release this episode because I'm releasing this exactly four months after we recorded it. And even though it's only been four months, I'm actually surprised when I do that math because in the last four months, it feels like so much has happened and so much has changed, which is one of the reasons it's so fascinating to look back at this episode. And so we took a time to to just record an episode where we got to catch up with each other because we took a significant break from season one to season two. We decided to try and record a bunch of episodes uh, over the last four months so that we could release them with some regularity to you. And now we're getting ready to release these episodes one by one. And I'm listening to this episode we recorded four months ago about all the stuff that was going on, COVID and, and politics and stuff. And boy, it aged really interestingly. And so Doug and I are going to talk about a lot of stuff, including some of our thoughts about what's going to happen with the election coming up. Uh, you'll see some predictions, mostly Doug's came true and mine did not. Um, but we just, we had a great time doing this and we're excited to release it to you. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to The Space Between. We have uh, we have an agenda written down on our whiteboard here. Yeah. So we're going to talk about any personal updates. Okay. We're going to talk a little about COVID, talk a little about politics, and then talk about what we're learning. And, uh, and we'll see where that takes us. This morning, personal updates. Anything big coming up for you, man? Oh man. Uh, <laughs> or, or in the last like nine months, really, right? Because right. we we recorded our last one at the beginning of COVID's quarantine. Right. Yeah. That's the last time we recorded. And and then here we are. So what's coming up for me is because uh, I'm definitely future oriented. So uh, flu season is coming up. <laughs> Says the respiratory therapist. So, so keep washing your hands, So uh, just to let y'all know, um, there's going to be money available, and uh, I'm going to go get it. Because <laughs> um, you're now working for two hospitals. Yeah, I think yeah. the last time we talked, you yeah. were still working for one hospital. Right, yeah. So now you're doing double duty. I'm now working for a second hospital system. Uh, so because, because of COVID... Um, it's funny because like we have personal stuff and then COVID, but like my life is synonymous with COVID. I think at this point because it's what I do at work and uh, it's what I think about. So um, I, I feel like so s- s- hospitals, people I think maybe don't have an understanding like the general public that hospitals are in a really bad place when it comes financially um, because essentially. Uh, people stopped coming to the hospital unless they had COVID for a long portion of time. But and isn't that what the hospitals requested? In some ways, because yeah. of the public crisis. Right. But on the other side of that, um, <laughs> most of the treatments are been, were told by the federal government that, listen, you can't really charge for them. So like we're talking about one study being like remdesivir, which is like a little over two grand to treat somebody with. Well, the hospital takes a hit. Because we can't charge, because it's like we're taking care. It's considered a, a crisis situation of mm. like we have to take care of COVID. So you know, talking about ventilation, so you have a person on a ventilator, thousand dollars a day. But well, in the age of COVID, and you don't have other patients coming in. But what about <laughs> the uh, all the QAnon like conspiracy theorists that say that COVID is just a way that hospitals are making extra money? What about that, Doug? Um, so 
So those people don't obviously work in hospital systems. <laughs> and um, But there were doctors in white coats on Capitol Hill. They were recording YouTube videos and getting it out there and across the masses, man. I mean, can't we believe people in white coats stand on Capitol Hill? Yes, but one white coat said that Donald Trump had the body of a 29-year-old. And we can very <laughs> obviously see that his body... <laughs> Not you to bring politics there. into it. You I'm just there. saying. You went there. Donald Trump doesn't look like the body of a 29-year-old. <laughs> they would. What would have been more appropriate is they would have then said, like, you know, his son Baron has the body of a 15-year-old. Oh, wait, he's 15. That makes a lot of sense. Like, you can compare and contrast, can't you? Like... So the hospitals are empty. So the hospitals are empty. And Not making money in the throughout hospitals. Throughout that time, where hospitals make a lot of their money is elective surgery. Like, that's where they make their money. Okay. And all elective surgeries, if we can remember to that time, only the most serious ones were getting done. And so, yeah, hospitals took a hit. And so my department was told, listen, we're not going to lay anyone off because we need everybody. But um, we, we can't offer any kind of overtime or anything like that. So... Um, for Amber and I, uh, Amber decided that she was just be like a stay-at-home mom over this period of time, and we'll see where it leads to. But for me to make up her income, I was like, I'll pick up another job. And so... Just I, keeping you busy? Yeah. Enjoying it? I mean, yeah. I mean, I like what I do. I really do. Um, I think it's an honor to take care of people. And uh, it's also like, what else is anyone else going to do during the age of COVID? Like, I feel like we started to open up and do different things, but in that first begin, in that beginning, it was like, well, I'm happy to be able to like get out and socialize with people. Uh, even if it means I don't have to go to work, at least I had something. Yeah. So, so it was kind of a blessing as well. Nice. So picked up a second job. What else? Yeah. Anything else big? I, I didn't get on zoom once. Really? You yeah. didn't zoom at all during this no, whole thing? I haven't zoomed yet. How's that possible? Well, uh, the only time I've ever Zoomed was for a class, and it was like three months before COVID, but all of my social network is is work, right? Okay. So like- All right, all right. And I see all the people who work for work at work. Are you taking person. classes still that you need to do Zoom with or not? I'm, I'm taking classes, but, but I haven't had any other Zoom. Man, my whole life courses. went to Zoom, dude. Yeah. Like, and I, I had to like go all in. I had to buy- the non-free version of Zoom, so I could host longer than a uh, forty-five minute long. Because at some point, Zoom was like, "Hey, you can host longer than forty-five minutes on the free version." Right. But then they turned that they off, so that. I had to buy it. So yeah. I'm like, I'm Mr. Zoom these days. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it, it, that is something kind of extraordinary because I just keep, keep hearing about people that have they're doing some extension of Zoom, essentially. Yeah, like our, our board meetings went to, like I, yeah. I'm on a couple different boards. They're all Zoom. Some of them are still Zoom. Yeah. We're doing like online Bible studies with the church. They're all on Zoom. I mean, like just tons of stuff. I did premarital counseling. I did one COVID wedding. I did two after the some of the restrictions were lifted and that all that premarital counseling was on Zoom. Like just tons of Zoom, man. Unbelievable. Tons. Yeah, it's, it's so crazy. I can't imagine what it's like not to have Zoom as a part of my life now. <laughs> really? That's, that's They probably could have monetized that better. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm glad they went like we're like, hey, free version, longer than normal. Yeah. But can you imagine if they would have just charged a little bit for that? Yeah, but they could. Th their company would have looked pretty crappy if they were just like, it's a pandemic and you need us. Yeah. So Truth. Here's the money. Like, like just you had to pay. Truth. Yeah. So. So um, no Zoom for you. Yeah. So so what have you been doing though? Like. 
for me? Yeah, like what? I think the couple of personal days for me, we're we're gonna move, mm-hmm. so that's huge. Uh, we live like in a apartment in a in the middle of our our town, and we're moving not very far, like two and a half miles away. But it's a place of the yard for our kids, and that we're pretty excited about. Yeah, because um, our kids need a place to play. You're like the same distance from my house. Yeah, either either place. Yep, it's pretty sweet, uh, and we'll be like right across the street from their future school. Yeah, so I mean, that yeah, it's just we're excited about it. Um, which means the studio will move too, uh, which is neat. Mm-hmm. Um, won't be in the basement of this this dungeon basement anymore. Yeah, I mean, this is spot number two for us. <laughs> That's true. That's true. We went spot number three. Yeah, sweet. Uh, trying to think what else. Um, I. I dealt with a little bit of depression at the beginning of uh, mm-hmm. the COVID thing. It wasn't COVID related as much as it was, I think, really related to a really hard last year. Yeah. Uh, jumping back into pastoral ministry and having, I think it was like, it was 10 funerals in that first year. Um, and I came in in March, so it wasn't even a full year. And um, I think it just all kind of hit me pretty hard right there at the beginning of quarantine. And uh, I actually feel like, Worked on some personal growth through that. Uh, as hard as that was, as frustrating as that was, um, it got me back into regular routine of seeing uh, my counselor. Um, talked a lot more with my wife about some of my feelings and tried to open up about some of that kind of stuff too, which was which was good. Which is hard. It was it was hard. I don't want to like play that down, but it was really good. I've never really developed, dealt with uh, depression or anything like that before, mm. and certainly there are folks out there who deal with it in a more ongoing way than me. I feel like mine was more of a punch to the stomach, knock the wind out of me, and then you catch your breath and kind of get back up kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I know there are some folks out there who feel like they're just beaten down constantly by it. Right, So yeah. um, I have a lot of respect and admiration for folks who keep fighting that fight. Uh, but, uh, th- yeah, so that was, a, that was a big part of the beginning of the whole thing for me. Uh, church has been interesting. Church changed dramatically. Yeah. Really quickly. Yeah, um, and not everyone's on the same page. So not at all. Uh, I mean that on the level of like church to church, they're not on the same page, and I mean that on the level of person to person, even within my church, yeah. are not on the same page. Yeah. So you know the whole well, COVID masking and anti-masking. You got politics, or you got right and left. Like all of that, those dividing lines have yeah. only gotten stronger. Yeah. In the last nine months, which is why they're on the list for us to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think. But boy, those come to like full fruition in mm-hmm. church world. Yeah. I'm sure they come to like a come to play in other pieces like other places, other vocations, like what you do, but I'll, I'll tell you, man, in church world it's like it can be kinda rough. I've had yeah. people leave yeah. uh, the church over the way we chose to kinda go about reopening or not opening. And, right. Yeah. You know, it, it's been hard. And in the midst of that there's also been I mean everybody knows this, but you know, Black Lives Matter, there's been protests, yeah. there's yeah. been riots, there's been Yeah you know, more uh, killing of black men or women uh, yeah. by law enforcement. There's yeah. been a call for reform. There's been a call for Blue Lives Matter and Back the Blue and, and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. And so they, all of those become more dividing lines. And so to me, as a person who's trying to provide a place on the, once a week where people come together in the same place mm-hmm. that is unifying, yeah. that comes under the umbrella of Jesus Christ. Yeah. It seems like we have allowed ourselves to be that much more divided by all of these things. Yeah. And that's been hard, frustrating, and I will say disappointing. Yeah. 
I feel like, you know, in that both of our occupations try to provide that when you're at a hospital, regardless of what, even, even if you've just, you know, we're in a shootout with police or whatever else, you come through the doors of a hospital, part of the Hippocratic Oath, we're, we're, we're going to treat you regardless. And there's not supposed to be a change in treatment, you know. Uh, and I think that, I think that's interesting in the sense that, uh, when it comes to church or taking care of people, some of these like bigger ideas of um, God, <laughs> you know, Christ came to heal, but He also came to, to you know talk about you know salvation and these sorts of things. But part of the healing was like a physical heal- healing, and uh, those things still have the rooted in good. I really hope, like, I feel like even if we get in more COVID talk, well, let's I just feel do like, it. Let's just get yeah, in. I feel like, um, it's sort of like a, like how at this point, how can you talk about COVID without it making it somewhat political, which just sucks. Right. Like that's like the worst. Um, it's a public health crisis and it should just be a public health crisis. But, um, you know, uh, the president has turned COVID into a political agenda and that's, that's fine. But to have like the, ability to look at a health system and then to try to twist it and turn it into being some kind of political thing, I just think is like the most despicable thing. Well, I think our current political system does that with so much. Right. Way beyond COVID, right? Like even as a pastor in a church, it's hard for me to talk about how uh, Jesus values life without it turning into some sort of a pro-life agendaized yeah, sort yeah. of conversation. Right. And suddenly, as soon as you say something that sounds like you're saying pro-life, yeah. you've ostracized half of your congregation. Right, right. You know? So it, it's more than just COVID. It's just there's these lines that we've we seem to draw on. Uh, we've, we've taken these topics and we've politicized them to the point where you can't talk about it without somehow saying that well, I fall in this category. Right. You are claiming somehow. Yeah. I've been thinking about that a lot lately, even with the idea of like, you know, anti-maskers or, you know, people that are like, no, I just, I just don't wear a mask. I don't see the, the value in it. But in my experience, many of these people are Christians and um, how on earth can you call yourself pro-life if you just throw around, <laughs> throw around your, your will that you don't care if you get other people sick? Yes, that could kill right. someone. Absolutely. Like that's, you can't be pro-life. And do that, like, and so, like, in in my opinion, like, get off your hill, then, you know. But everything, like, the entirety of, um, what makes up some people's political view is the pro life thing, and, and I think, yet it has nothing to do with the entirety of pro life. Sure, and that's the thing is, like, I think there needs to be a really important distinction for people. And I think if they're going to be honest with themselves and the rest of us, they need to start claiming it. But there mm-hmm. are people who are anti-abortion and there are people who are pro-life. Yeah. That's that's totally different things. Yeah. And, hey, you can be anti-abortion. Yeah. I'm not going to argue with you on that. It's hard to argue somebody to not be anti-abortion. I'm anti-abortion. Right. Right. Um, but I'm also pro-life, which means yeah. that I'm pro all of life. So before someone comes out yeah. to the point where someone goes into the tomb, yeah. it's everything. Yeah. Right? That's pro-life, in my opinion. Yeah. So... Yeah, the, the COVID thing has been fascinating. Um, why do you think, like, it seemed like it entered at the perfect time. Not, not that this is some sort of man-made thing. This isn't me being a conspiracy theorist. But yeah. it sure seems like this public health crisis came at a time when the country was poised to divide itself even more. I mean, any reason yeah. you think anything that has popped out to you over the last nine months to say, I think we were primed for it. How are we primed for it? Why you know, the division? Um, 
It'll make me sound real liberal, but that's okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Not my intention. No. Um, we were on the cusp of a pandemic with the Ebola crisis. Um, we were on the cusp of a pandemic with the H1N1 crisis. We were on the cusp of a pandemic for SARS and for Mars, and uh, they didn't happen. I think that that had something to do with leadership. Okay. I think that it had everything to do with leadership. Hmm. And that's my opinion. Sure. But people don't remember these things in America so much, unless you're in healthcare. Um, because you didn't have to train for it. <laughs> you know, it's just a thing of the past of like, oh, wow. But uh, e- Ebola is so infectious. So infectious. Um. <laughs> And we had people in the U.S. and it didn't. And we we were able to nip it in the bud and actually stop it. Hmm. And uh, that could have just turned into complete craziness. Um, and, and I think that in, in some ways, if that would have become crazy, man, that would have just been horrific because that's a terrible way to get sick. And, and COVID is a terrible way to get sick. That's that I should really. The problem is it with COVID is that. It, not everyone gets sick. Sure. Which has made it even better at super spreading. You're saying like symptomatic versus non-symptomatic. Yeah. But the people that have gotten sick, it's a horrific way to die. I believe it. It, it just is. Um, at the beginning of this whole crisis, medical staff are still trying to figure out how to treat it. Right. It seems like over the last nine months, they have really quickly developed some ways to say, like, don't do this. This is how you normally react to this symptom. Don't do this. Yeah. Do this instead. And they've been able to prolong life for a lot of people. Yeah. In the beginning, it was... Much, much worse, much harder, much more people being treated the wrong way, the incorrect way, because they didn't know what they were doing at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, and maybe, maybe, (laughs) I don't know how other people think, so I can't even speak to that, but like, the inability to show people what you know the media because of HIPAA and these other kind of laws um, of what it looks like for a person to be so short of breath that you know they're just like wheezing and, and drowning in their own secretions uh, like, like that's the funny thing like you if you ask anyone like how do you want to die right it, drowning is always one of the last things on the list Right, like people are like, yeah, I would never want to drown. Well, this is drowning, like that's what it is. It's drowning, just not in water. Yeah. Uh, and so, at the end of the day, it's like, uh, we're just, you know, I just saw that. Like, this is a new article that came out that one of the ideas now is, well, we've gotten too far into this. Let's just herd immunity, like do herd immunity, and allow. A certain portion of the population will die, but it will not kill our nation. I think that was called for for a while. I yeah, mean, a yeah, lot of yeah. I, I won't. I don't want to get into like uh, the well. I guess like you but, said, COVID and politics, right? Right. There's a lot of conservative voices that were calling for herd immunity as yeah. the answer and, to this whole thing. It goes right back to that pro-life thing. Yeah, you want to be pro-life, but you don't want to stand for life. Mm. Like, if life matters. If life doesn't matter, that's the whole other thing then. If life doesn't matter, then get off the hill and 
feel free to say like listen some people are gonna have to die and well and then better again, for society that's where this distinction of being anti-abortion versus being pro-life really comes to play mm-hmm. and uh, anyway we've we've talked about that before we talked about how we even as the evangelical world has gotten to the point where the abortion issue is like the singular issue we've we've kind of discussed that in the past but yeah i i don't know man it this whole thing is not over right yeah don't you feel like there needs to be like some kind of rising up of i hate to be like a billy graham right but billy graham kind of like was the focal point of he's leading a large portion of the church you know uh like there there needs to be a person that i feel or, or maybe a group of people like and to me to me right now like when i look around i'm like wow like a group of people or a person who does what? That, uh, uh, thank you for Yeah, it's a partial thought. Yeah. That is, I don't know, directing the church. I feel like there's a lot of people directing, but everyone's directing different directions. And so it's it's a little bit, just thinking about, you know, big, big C church. Well, the church, it, I think, has been divided in some of the same ways that the rest of the world has been divided in yeah. these recent months and years, too. Yeah. Because the term evangelical is kind of a bad word at this point, and that has come since the 2016 election. Um, it was for, a, Yeah, for a certain sect of the population. Well, yeah, and I think that sect keeps, keeps growing. Yeah. I think you have less and less people who are willing to call themselves evangelicals right. or are struggling with the word or— you have a younger, younger generation who are saying, I don't even know what that word means. And so I, I'm not religious. I'm not evangelical. I'm spiritual. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's their claim is I'm spiritual. And I think that means like, I think the church has been scared of what that might mean. Yeah. But I think it actually means something more positive than the church realizes. Mm-hmm. But there's not a unifying voice because we've been divided in some of the same ways. You know, yeah. Billy Graham was a unifying voice at the time when he was yeah. popular. And we don't really have that. You have these mega churches that are out there. You have the John MacArthur's. You have the the Andy Stanleys. You have the these people that are have mega churches and they're leading voices. And some of the rest of us who are are small fish are mm-hmm. are looking and saying, okay, what are they doing? Like mm-hmm. they're they're doing what we do on a much larger scale. So let's watch and see how they react into certain things, and let's try and learn from them. Yeah. And that's what we've at least at our church have tried to do is look around at everyone else and say, okay, how are they doing it? What can we do to make our response? Take the good things of theirs and use them and take the bad things of their response and not use them and, and keep learning as we go. Uh, but I don't think there is a unifying voice. You're right about that. Yeah. I don't know that I don't know that it would be good right now. Right. I think it, it'd yeah, be hard. I mean, I'd be like low key suspect of that unifying voice right now. Sure. With everything sure. that's going on. And maybe maybe thinking more historically at one point, there really was one voice, the Pope, who spoke for most of Christendom. And certainly you saw how the Pope uh, may have taken some of those values and stretched them out to the point of where it didn't really look like Christianity, hmm. and depending on the Pope, right? So yeah, depending on the point in history that you come down and look at the Pope, right? certainly the church looked very different, right? Right, right, right. So like, I, I think that maybe maybe more of a council or something that like draws things back, like reigns it in of like, what is our purpose here? Like, I feel like at this point, a lot of the people that I, I'm seeing and, and reading about, and maybe this is because Google has a, you know, an algorithm that just sends me stuff that enrages me, um, which is it's quite, quite possible. And, and perhaps I am the designer of that algorithm. And so I, I actually enjoy really being angry. Um, but... <laughs> 
<laughs> but it, it knows the right spots and the right people to send me that I'm just like, oh, unbelievable. Have you, you watched know? The Social Dilemma? The Social Dilemma, no. It's a, it's a, it's a documentary on Netflix. Okay. Yeah. Uh, dude, you should check it out. Yeah, if only I had Netflix. Ah, uh, yes. Well, we, maybe we Have could. they wrote a book on it? No. Oh, it just man. came out. I mean, okay. it's very recent. It's, yeah. It is like making its waves right now. People are coming across it and they're sharing it and cool. on social media. But yeah. it is—it's talking about what you just said. Yeah, the algorithms and how the social media works and how um, one of the big things that I took away from it was how much a, a social media site like Facebook yeah. can influence an election. Oh, sure. But also how um, social media is created in such a way that it is about monetizing everything, mm-hmm. and the thing that it can monetize the best is fake news. So the thing that it spreads more than anything else is fake news. Yeah. Because people want to click on it, they want to read it, and they want to see it more yeah. than they want to see the real stuff. Yeah. And if you think about like things like fear, right? Like fear powers people to make I mean, I'm gonna bet and I don't know these numbers for sure, but I would say that uh, security cameras have really gone up during COVID. We got a security system installed here. Yeah. It wasn't because of COVID necessarily, but, but, but but what I mean by that is you yeah. get thrown into an unusual situation and then something that's even subconscious comes out of like, we need to make sure that we're okay if we're going to be here all the time. And then mm. you get a camera and you're like, okay, now I know I'm okay. But then you have that camera and it, it it's like, well, but we don't have an angle from over here. And that doubt and fear are really strong motivators that are so deep that sometimes we don't even know. I'm not a scared person, but I do need a camera. Or, you know what, people, you can't trust people. Look at the world right now. You can't trust people. Need a camera. I would bet that, you know, there are certain things like this that fear just drives it, and we're not even in touch with it. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think about this whole, you know, we've been talking about church word a little bit here. We've kind of been skirting the edges, but... Mm -hmm. Church has had so many different reactions to the whole COVID situation. I mean, I, I'm a believer that COVID's not going to end on after the election. COVID's here to stay until we get forever. this thing spanked, you know, with you, a well, vaccine or, or whatever, right? Right. I mean, COVID, COVID's here forever. Okay. It, it won't. It will not go away. So let's just put out real data, like real, real number, or real things. Give it to me. So here's the thing, and I'm going to quote Dr. Fauci. He's a really good scientist, and if anyone has a problem with him. Listen, like the guy's been a doctor for a really long time and he was in charge of the AIDS epidemic. And what happened to the AIDS epidemic? It was solved. Now we haven't cured AIDS yet. We're getting close. But it's not an epidemic. But, but yes, it's a pandemic, but it's not an epidemic. Yeah, AIDS, AIDS is now uh, no longer an epidemic, right? So like he, he's done this before. Uh, but he said that, in his opinion, we'll have a vaccine that has gone through all the clinical trials hopefully by the turn of the, the new year. Okay. Now, to get that to be produced, just thinking for the U.S., with 300 million people, um, which is, you know, uh, going to be lighter than that because of all the deaths and whatever else, but that's neither here nor there. But uh, <laughs> healthcare workers will probably be treated first, nursing homes, healthcare, and hospitals. And then the question is, how does it get out there? But his thought is that hopefully by April or May, that we'll have a vaccine that's available for all. Hmm. Thing is, vaccines are never 100% accurate. Sure. Right. So 
Um, the hope is that, say, for instance, you get a vaccine that's 70% effective. Okay. Well, in that case, if you have 100% of the U.S. gets gets vaccinated, then you're still going to see 30% of COVID patients, right? But we live in a culture that has anti-vaxxers and the whole nine yards. Not you can't think that everyone's going to get vaccinated. Sure. So even when the vaccine comes out, you're still wearing a mask. You're still social distancing. Like, even when a large portion of the population, you're still wearing a mask, you're still social distancing. That's still going to be the, the recommendation. Okay. Um, mask might come off in 2022, maybe. But that's all hypothetical because you have to see how well it's, like, how well we get to you got to have data. Right. You've got to have data. you got to see what's driving it. And data takes time. You know, and I, I <laughs> one thing that I think is hilarious along, like, with colleagues at work and is that everyone's looking at Australia and saying flu's not going to be that bad this year. We should be all right. People are social distancing. People have their masks on. And I'm like, like, where are you getting your data? They're like, well, you know, the way that we normally do this is we look at the Southern Hemisphere. Australia is mostly the place that we look. Melbourne has been shut down <laughs> since February. Pretty hardcore shutdown. More than yeah. we are, you're saying? Like, yeah. Okay. Like, so the reason that they're <laughs> flu absent or flu yeah. lower than normal is because they are taking and they listen to the government and gotcha. like they actually social distance and they have a compliance rate for their masks that is significantly higher than the U.S. So, so we have no idea what we're walking into even with like I don't I would think that we would have somewhat better numbers than previous years maybe not none but I, I, there are people that are wearing masks and are washing their hands and there are hand sanitizations set up and people are using them more yeah. prevalently than they would normally Hopefully. so i would think that our numbers would be somewhat better what what we're going to get into trouble with is covid plus influenza on top of each other yeah yeah that makes sense uh, or or you know covid with rsv or covid with you know the other co- coronavirus like lots of different options out there that like uh, we're starting to see the er's go back up and uh, become more busy because this is the season that it starts to get busy. And I'm seeing all these, these it's just, it's a busy season regardless without COVID. And now we're going to infuse that in there. It just so, changes everything. So COVID's here to stay. COVID's not yeah. going to go away just because we have an election, mm-hmm. no matter what happens, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, church world, we got churches who are just saying that they can do whatever they want. No yeah. mass, no social distancing. Yeah. Greet one over the holy kiss, do lots of hugging still. You got churches that are going the other way and they haven't met since uh since April. They're not planning on meeting again until twenty twenty one. So mm-hmm. there's a wide spectrum of how churches have handled this. And yeah. even in the midst of it, even our you know, our president, like him or not, has massive gatherings where there's no social distancing or masking happening. Um what what do you think of the response of the church in the midst of this? What do you think of people that are gathering yeah. in large numbers? I mean I I haven't been back to church this since February, I guess. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I don't, I don't, have, a, I don't have a choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's your job. That's why you get paid. <laughs> See, like, I mean, but I don't know if you've been to the hospital. Uh, and that was probably a big portion of your 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 life when it was I've before not, COVID, right? I've not been invited to the hospital right. at this point. They've yeah. sent me letters to say I'm not supposed to come. Yeah, I have been. Um, I think four times. Gotcha. Um, but that's still a drastic change from before COVID. Oh, I was there four times a week before. Right. right. So, yeah, it's definitely different. I mean, our church has done masking. We've we've done social distance in the sanctuary. We've reduced the number of chairs in the sanctuary by more than half. We 
have a special seating area for our worship team so they don't even interact with the congregation down in the sanctuary area. We, we open our doors 15 minutes before the service starts, and we don't have Sunday school in small rooms or anything like that right now. Like yeah. We've done a whole bunch of different stuff. We have people sanitizing the bathrooms during the entire service. So if a person goes and uses the bathroom, the entire thing is sanitized before another person goes in. Yeah. Like we're, we've tried to take it really seriously, but we've also had people leave the church because we've done that. Yeah. But then we've had other local churches who have, they did their whole like quarantine thing for like two weeks or, or two months. You know, They followed the mm-hmm. guidelines, and then they thought, you know what, this is ridiculous, and they went back to normal. And... COVID has swept through the church. You've seen that in some mega churches. You've mm-hmm. seen John MacArthur like go and have a lawsuit against the government to say, you can't tell me I can't meet. Like, yeah. I mean, there's been a wide variety of responses to this thing. And yeah. personally, as a pastor, I'll just put this out there because one of the things that I've been trying to be better on is just my, um, my willingness to be a bit more transparent with my own set of beliefs. But I, it's hard for me to affirm the churches that are out there not responding to this at all. Yeah. Not taking any precautions. Yeah. I, I can't I can't really get behind that. I think it's irresponsible, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. I think you're playing a game with numbers. Because yeah. you can spout off all of the different statistics you want in favor of not masking or herd immunity or whatever. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is that there's still this 0.1 mortality rate, 0.1 of a percent of a mortality rate, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that is still a real person. Mm-hmm. So if COVID sweeps your church because you've chosen to not mask or not social distance like in my church, that's at least one person yeah. who has the potential to die yeah. because of a decision that I've made as a leader or we've made as a body. Yeah. And for me, if there is any part of your church that is not centered around Jesus' call to love your neighbor mm-hmm. or to, uh, well, just to love, period, I mean, love. Jesus, Jesus love one another as I have loved you, right? Yeah. If, yeah. You, if you're not centering yourself around that, you're missing something. Your yeah. gospel is is off center somewhere. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think so. So I, it's hard for me to affirm that. Even even the whole big gathering, like yeah. the, the the prayer march on the on the down in Washington that happened not too long ago. Yeah. Like I, you know, I, I and I, I agree. There's people that are saying, well, if you can protest, why can't you do that? I understand. I think that there are some some things that don't make sense. Mm-hmm. Like we allow one thing but not the other thing. I, I'm not saying that I have an answer. Yeah. Or that there are good reasons for it, but I think that as the church, yeah, we stand as a representative of Jesus, or yeah. when Jesus calls us to. And if we are not representing that well, that that love, that neighbor love, that enemy love, mm-hmm. we're missing something. Yeah, I wonder what percentage of this is, uh, you know, what's the motivation of people going back to church, and and why it may be just that church gives the opportunity for a sense of normalcy. And like a lot of people, like the best way to deal with trying times is to make them normal in your mind and say, listen, so like very early on, I accepted the fact that at work, I'm going to be wearing a mask for the rest of my career. So at that point, I can then make peace with that and say, okay, well, this is normal now. This is the new normal. Like, yeah, I treated people for, you know, several years without mask but that's not ever going to happen again and now i'm okay with it it doesn't bother me like i because i know that this is the this is the normal now and if it come if they come off great but i don't think they will and so i can be okay with it and, and i think that maybe in for for a certain portion of the church and we've been saying john macarthur and he's a calvinist and his his full belief is that like this is all like preordained like 
there's no reason to change because God's already made up his mind on who's going to die and who's not going to die and who's going to be saved and who's not going to be saved. And so he doesn't have to take responsibility for his congregation because God's already done it. Mm. And so he can, he can walk around without the responsibility being a leader and being a, a person that has humongous influence, but he doesn't have to claim that responsibility because, well, that's God's. And that itself sounds a little bit like madness because it says, listen, I'm following a person who actually, you know, kicks the kicks all the responsibility off to God, which maybe sounds good, actually. I don't know. But to me, I'm like, but God has entrusted a leader to do certain things for his congregation to take care of them. And it, it, to me, it sounds a little uh, miscalculated. Yeah, no, it, it, I think this is like a perfect uh, place where your theology sure um absolutely changes the way that you interact with the public health crisis that we're in sure uh, your picture of god yeah has always impacted the way that you have treated the people around you yeah if you believe in a very angry vengeful god mm-hmm. then you are a person who generally is well i, I won't the way that you picture God mm-hmm. impacts the way you live. Yeah, of course, yeah. We're yeah. seeing that in spades now. Yes, right? yeah, yeah. And, and what you're describing with John MacArthur, I mean, theology is really our understanding of who God is. Right. So your understanding of God is impacting the way that you interact with the public health crisis, with your right. congregation, with the community around you. Sure. So if you believe that God has called you to love that's the good. people around yeah, you, that's right. then mm-hmm. you are loving the people around you. And if that means you're wearing a mask despite the, it causing you stress or anxiety or just discomfort, uh-huh. then then you're doing that because you love the people around you. Yeah. If you believe that God is a, a truth teller beyond all things, then you will not wear your mask because you believe that you should educate the people on the truth that's out there and this is all a conspiracy theory. Like right. if you believe that God is, you, just you name it, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of spouting here, but the way that you picture God impacts the way that you treat the people around you. Yeah. Simply put. Yeah. So... And I mean that that probably even wheels back even more to like whatever your uh, cosmogony is, like the, the creation of this universe. You know, yes. like it, it goes all the way back to like why did God create? You know, and even the creation itself. Like, are people evil? So can you trust? You know, like oh, can I trust this person or that person? It, like it, everything is blown to it's heightened to a new level. Totally, because people are not in their normal. I was listening to a podcast where Sky Jitani was talking about how your eschatology, your your belief in the end times, dramatically impacts how you respond to COVID. Yeah. So if you believe the world's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse until God comes back, yeah. well, then this totally lines up with your understanding of the end times. Yeah. If you believe that there's going to be, we're gonna the world's going to get better and better and better until God comes back and there's a thousand year reign where Christians are at peace, yeah. well, then that totally impacts the way you live right now. Yeah. And your your adherence to things like climate change or your, your rejection of those things, right? So right, yeah. We're, we're broaching politics now, but let's, we can go... We can wade into the waters if we choose to. Yeah. But politics, man. Politics. Like, we're coming up on the election. It is around the corner. hmm Dude, it's getting crazy out there. It's very From crazy. a presidential debate where they just yelled back and forth at each other and yeah. no one respected one another's time or, or, or anything to the vice presidential debate where, again, that's, there was not as much yelling, but there was definitely a disrespect on time and a disrespect to the moderator and a lack of clearly answering various questions on both sides. And once again, we see people dividing down these political lines uh-huh. of I'm this way or that way, you're this way or you're that way, and so we have nothing to even talk about. I mean, I'm seeing families divided over this stuff. Families. Yeah. 
Like, blood is not thicker than water at this point. Right. Red and blue is thicker than blood. Yeah. It's sad to me. Well, I mean, even we've almost had two governors kidnapped. Wait, I knew about one. There's a second one that was yeah, almost kidnapped? Yeah, it came out that the same group was considering the governor of Virginia before Michigan, but then they decided that Michigan would have been the, the better one to kidnap. And the purpose of this was to kick off a civil war. I don't even know what to say. Right? Um, I, a month ago, a well-known evangelical church leader with a large following called for people to arm themselves yeah. in preparation for civil war. Yeah. It's uh, what I, I mean. I've talked to people from my church who were like, "By golly, if there's a civil war, I'm in." And I'm like, "Do you understand what you're saying? The ramifications? Like, of that, do you right? understand? Like, yeah. to even to invite war of any kind, but civil war? Yeah. Do you understand what yeah. you're saying? I cannot believe that we're here. Yeah. I can. I can believe it. I, I can just believe it, but I can't believe it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It feels surreal. Well, it's. I, I think that some of that has to do with the fact that COVID has made everything heightened, right? That, like, people were in, like, if, so if you were on the left and of, and you've been going through the last three years, I feel like people were like, okay, I've endured Trump. I don't love Trump, but another year. But now that, like, COVID happened, and then the horrific things that happened to George Floyd, which... I think created a whole other like spin to this whole thing because we have to keep in mind that like the reason people started marching originally was because a man was horrifically murdered and if you don't think he was murdered you haven't watched the video and that's it's plain and simple yeah. like you haven't watched the video then um at the but what has happened is the spin of like people saying well if you are a rioter then you do not support the police, but that's not that's not the truth. Oh like, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it's dualism at yeah, its finest, right? right? It's it's this or that. Yeah. There's no middle ground. Yeah. There's no conversation anymore. It's uh, you you choose what ground you're gonna have. There is the small sect of people that. It, what's crazy to me actually is the fact that like so, Lincoln Project is out to get Joe Biden elected, but it's a bunch of Republicans that that believe that. Joe Biden needs to be elected because we need to get back to some sense of normalcy. And um, they just have, like, the idea is that essentially Trump actually isn't a Republican. His policies don't resemble, like, the GOP hmm. of four years ago. And so they just want to get back to that. But those people are considered middle now. And, like, their values and what, what was actually uh, <laughs> what, they, what they contrived four years ago would have been considered, like, yeah, they're on the right. Like they're not middle right. They're they're on the right, mm-hmm. and so like it's quite it's quite interesting. How to things see. have shifted so much. Yeah to, yeah, to see like how the world is. Um, and, and I've talked to some people yeah. who uh, from my church who just you know I, I try. You can't help but talk about politics to a certain extent, right? I don't talk about politics from the pulpit because I don't right. personally. Uh, I don't feel like that's an appropriate place for it, at least mm-hmm. in my context. Yeah. Maybe there are some contexts where that is completely appropriate, but I'll speak to my own context. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. It doesn't work for me to automatically ostracize one half of the congregation, depending on what side I come down. But I'll talk about Jesus, mm-hmm. and I know that Jesus interacts with political ideas yeah. or ideas that we politicized, like our earlier mention of being right. pro-life, right? right. Um, but I talked to one person from my church who said that they feel like the, the Republican Party has completely lost their way. Like they're not the Republican Party they signed up for. They're a lifelong Republican, but mm-hmm. this isn't what they signed up for. Sure. 
you know, I've talked to some Democrats who feel like uh, the Democrats have gotten too caught up in uh, trying to oust the current president as well. Like they felt like the Democratic Party to a certain extent has also lost their way. It seems mm-hmm. like there's this kind of unrest with mm-hmm. the normal lines. And then there's this other part of our, our country who have have jumped full on into these new dividing lines yeah. and are, are happy to uh, to say, I'm this and not that. Mm-hmm. And there's there's not any middle ground. There's not any ability yeah. to hold things in tension. I feel right. like the, the ability to hold things in tension is a, is a gift that we have lost in the midst of this whole thing, whether yeah. it's the pandemic, whether yeah. it's this this current uh, presidential regime, whether it's maybe the presidential regime before that, going mm-hmm. into this one, we've lost the ability to hold beliefs and tension to say, well, I believe this and I believe this. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I think, um, so, <laughs> one of the, the Democrats' side, one of their things is that we're a big tent. You know, we have lots of different values. There's a lot of different shades of blue, right? So you can be, like, extremely, like, you can be a socialist. And so when people are like, well, the Democrats, they're too socialist. Well, there are some socialists in the Democratic Party. Absolutely. Sure. But there are also people that are not socialist whatsoever. And, and so to say that completely. everyone is a socialist, not quite much. There's a li- lot less on the on the, the right on where you stand, right? The reason that Trump got, got elected was because there was a splitting of the hairs of the tent. There was Bernie, there was Hillary. And the mainline people... They they rigged it and they killed they they killed Bernie's opportunity to be elected, uh, due to the super PACs, mm-hmm. and they got Hillary, and that infuriated a lot of the left. That's many of them, those progressives voted for Trump, and or just didn't vote because they said, "Man, we got screwed. Our guy got screwed." Right, right. And so the big tent became smaller. They, and there you go. That that was the election. The Democrats literally chose Hillary and. She was the one person Trump could beat. Yeah, so that's the way I've heard. But it. really, it was, and, and at that time, uh, it was based off of old school politics of we'll tap the person, the nomination, and yeah, we'll go through the semantics, but we'll tap the person. And uh, I think millennials were infuriated. I, I think they yes. were. I just think they were infuriated. They're like, that's not the way it works. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, fast forward. How has the Democrats had to make sure that they can get behind Joe Biden? It has been completely ruthless in the idea of, well, we have to make Trump look like the most evil thing that's ever happened. Right, of course. Because in order for our, our party to hold itself together so that we have a big enough tent, mm-hmm. you have to be this or that. And Donald Trump just naturally does that himself of getting his people saying, you're either for me or you're against me. These are the options. Right. That's who he is. Sure. So you have one it's side. very polarized. Yeah. So you have one person who he naturally does this already and a party that says, in order for us to have a chance, we have to be like that too. It's unifying yeah. in hatred though. Oh, absolutely. Both sides. Absolutely. We're, we're unified against Trump or we are unified against the liberal left. And the socialists and the whatever, yeah. or we're unified against the the white supremacists, the Nazis, the 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 KKK, the whatever on the right. Like right. we've and we we kind of paint these terrible pictures of both sides, yeah. so that we can be comfortable in our hatred of yeah. of them. Yeah, I think that what would be really interesting and something to to <laughs> a lot of people think that this is just like the last thing in the world that I'll ever see is a socialized you know America. Okay, uh, that's cool. But, like, that's not the end of the world, right? Like, there are many socialized democratic countries that function and they have a good world. Like, 
So like, but in the other side, like, well, the last thing I'll ever see is, you know, a super conservative U.S. It's also not the end of the world. Like, we've been conservative before. Like, let's breathe for a second here and realize that, like, as long as we stay somewhat in that middle area, a lot of people are being heard on many different things, and we're going to be okay. But I think it's getting to the point where because we've continued to push, we're now taking our corners, and it's just become so, like, I can't even imagine if, what if this would happen again? It's like, geez, just stop, man. Well, I think the other stop. thing, too, is, is we've even given the idea of what America stands for, a black eye, essentially, in this. Because what we've done is we've painted these hateful pictures of both sides. Yeah. So if Trump gets elected again, you're going to have this... Um, this white supremacist, uh, unwilling to reject white supremacist, conservative political party, and the left will paint yeah. that regime in a yeah. certain light. Right. If if uh, if Joe Biden gets elected, then you're going to have a person who is not mentally competent. You're going to have his vice president take over. She's far more left than anybody else is, which we're going to have this socialist agenda. And right. suddenly our country's become this this whole other thing. And, right. and so we've painted a picture. And so no longer can we say, it doesn't matter who gets elected, at least mm-hmm. we're all Americans. It doesn't matter who gets elected, at least we know what it means to be an American. It means right. we're going to stand up for truth, justice, and the American way. You know, you, right. there, there was a time when we could be united around what it meant to be an American, and that time exists no longer right. because we've taken so much time to paint these evil pictures of both sides that no matter who gets elected, someone's going to be really upset. Yeah, And, and, and I'm not going to be surprised when the unrest is unreasonable yeah. when the wrong side gets elected. Yeah. And, and maybe I'm blowing this out of proportion, but uh, I think flags are really important. Like, really important. Flags, you identify with a flag. I think I know where you're going with this, but I'm really curious to see if you are. So, both sides have started to have a flag. <laughs> right? Like, they've started having flags of what identifies with who they are. Yeah. I, this is where I thought you were going. Yeah. I, I'm just saying, that's that's terrifying. I That's agree. Terrifying, and for people not to realize, like, like especially as, like, let's just speak to Christians here, as Christians, to have a flag that identifies who you are, and it doesn't resemble Christ, and it resembles a nation. You need to set, you need to take a step back, and you need to think about does that really identify with who I actually, where my values and ethics come from? Hmm. Because if it does, you know, if, if if America or whatever that flag is that's that's outside of your house represents who you are and your identity you need to ask how important is jesus in my life yeah and if jesus isn't that important then then stop the charade Hmm. you know what i mean like just stop it like plenty of people go in this world have gone through this world without needing to represent jesus at all and i think many of them are okay with that sure so like that's the opportunity of like here you have the freedom to that can be your your identity but uh if that's not the case like take the flag down man I, I'm sorry, but I just think the flag is just, that's, that's serious. Like, that really is supposed to stand for what you are. Your patriotism, your nationalism can absolutely be an idol. It can be something that gets between you and God 100%. Yeah. And so Christians need to check themselves to make sure that they are not idolizing their, their nation or their ideology of a nation state. Right. Right? Yeah. At the same time, we have also seen, like you said, both sides coming up with their own flags that aren't the American flag. Right. And so outside of people's houses, the American flag is coming down, and the Trump flag goes up, or the the the, uh, the Biden flag goes up, or, yeah. or whatever it is, right? And so Blue, Blue Lives Matter flag goes up. Sure. 
There's there's all sorts yeah. of flags that now are not the American flag, and so there at least at the American flag was sort of a unifying symbol to say like, look, right. I believe in our country. Mm-hmm. But now we're seeing that taken down, and we have these again dividing lines even in our flags. Right. I, yeah, I, I agree. It's 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 really interesting to see. Yeah, you don't have to but wonder. Also a little bit terrifying. You don't have to wonder what each household is voting for these days. It's hard to drive, at least in our area. Yeah. And, and not see either a yard sign or a real waving flag on a pole somewhere. Yeah. That clearly states who you're voting for this year. Right. And I I don't I mean again I'm not that old. I'm not even forty yet. Yeah. But in all the elections I've seen leading up to this point, I've never seen so much um, propaganda. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. It's really fascinating to me. Yeah. 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 It, it kind of scary. Yeah. It's a. I'm. I'm honestly like. I'm a little terrified. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'll be honest. Like. Um. Without showing my cards too much of like where I'm at, with it, I think that regardless of what happens. It's gonna happen. Like, like there, there's a certain about amount of, um, you know, we have two choices. Truthfully, that's kind of ridiculous. I agree completely. But, but at the end, at the end of the day, we have two choices. And I think it's ridiculous that these are our two choices, in my opinion, as well. I mean, I'm, I'm not very happy with either. And and here's the honest truth. I'll tell mm-hmm. you exactly where I stand. I don't vote. Mm-hmm. I I won't be voting. Yeah. I, and I think maybe it'd be interesting to have somebody maybe at some point try and convince me. Yeah. On one day I want to do that. Why in the world should I vote in yeah. the presidential election? Yeah. One day I, I really. I, I, but I've tried to have small conversations, but I don't want to get too infringed. So I do, but like, I don't feel like I really have a dog in this fight. Yeah. Other than the fact that we got to be there to clean up the mess of whatever happens. Yeah. I do think that this whole mail-in ballot thing, mm-hmm. I think it's actually going to be a bit of a saving grace. Yeah. And, and the reason is I because I don't think on election day we're going to know who our next president is. I think yeah. it's, it's going to stretch it out, and mm-hmm. I think both sides are going to have a chance to go back and forth and kind of make their peace with what's going to happen. And I think if on election night you actually knew who was going to be your next president, I think you'd have more protests and violence and things like that. But because it's going to stretch this whole thing out, and we may not know for days or a week mm-hmm. who our next president is going to be, yeah. I think it might actually help, um, I guess, push the tensions down to a certain extent. With at least, reason. at least to the point where yeah. people aren't going to go out and if people do crazy things, if either of the nominations uh, respect the process, it'll be interesting to see how that works too. Yeah, I have a hard time believing that they won't, even if they say they won't. Mm. I do. Maybe I listen to so this yeah. is a really great podcast uh, called Hardcore History with Dan Carlin. Yeah, it's so good, and I'm just like. You should all listen to it. Yeah, but uh, he—I've listened. He is his podcast episodes are like sometimes they're four hours, sometimes they're six hours long. They take a long time to work through. It's like listening to a book on audio tape. But uh, one of the podcasts I was listening to talked about um, China, mm-hmm. communist China. Mm-hmm. Talked about Japan's uprising to yeah. what they were, and then their their war with China before the the World War II. And it was interesting to see some of the similarities between what was happening in Japan's government and what's happening now in mm-hmm. terms of the election and how it all was working. Uh, but one of the things I haven't seen that seems to be a common thing throughout history mm-hmm. is, like, I don't see Trump aligning himself with military leaders and having this giant army that's backing him up. Yeah, That's missing. If right. there was going to be some sort of a coup because we're not going to respect the process, right. I think you'd have to see clearly, mm-hmm. oh, General blah, blah, blah with this regiment or whatever right, is right. in his pocket and they're going to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah, I mean, I think, personally, I think that he he really pushed for that in, like, 2016. I have all the generals. They're amazing people. But many of the generals have 
been like, whoa, this is a little crazy. And so they've backed away a little bit. And since then, he has now gone to a place where he's like, I have all the police. I'm for police. And that itself can be, I think, a, a bit of a military drive. But um, maybe. Maybe. But but maybe not. I you know like like this in is terms just, of a coup, I just don't see. Yeah, it. And, and probably not. So right. It for me, I just don't think that there's the power with a singular leader to to stop the transitional process. Yeah, I, I, I hope too not. much respect for it still. I hope not. You know, and I, I, I man, if this was not, if we had another like full on year of quarantine, lockdown, mm-hmm. bad COVID before this next election, mm-hmm. maybe we'd get there. Yeah, maybe. But in some ways, I think that the election's coming up at a time when uh, we are not so crazy yet. Yeah, that this would that like a coup would happen. Yeah. So. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. We got a few minutes left. Yeah, uh, and we got one more thing on our list here. What you've been learning? Oh man. So it's just a. It's not even like a nice transition from politics into yeah. that. I'm just gonna just cut it and go. What are you learning right now, Doug? Or what have you been learning over the okay. last nine so, months? So actually, the most significant thing that I learned was um, I got real sick. I didn't get COVID, but I got I got sick. Yeah. Um, I think I had West Nile, but that's just only the only way to diagnose that is a spinal tap. I didn't have that. I had a lot, many of the symptoms, Don't but I had a, I had a spinal tap. Suck, man. Don't do it. I had a fever for of like about 105 for seven days. I was pretty sick. Um, many nurses had told me like, "Did you go to the hospital?" I said, "No." I just wrote it out, and they thought I was crazy. So, uh, um, and I was swapped for COVID so many times. But as I was laying there, and I had a whole lot of like my inflammation was serious. Like I felt, I, I imagine this is what it feels like to have significant arthritis in like your 80s, where you just don't want to move. Yeah. Um, and and I, I can say that in that moment, I was suffering, and I felt like the only thing that um, brought peace was that I knew that um, my image of God, being Christ, uh, could understand that suffering. Hmm. And uh, in that suffering brought comfort then, because I was like, you know, yeah, people can't, uh, like, there's not anyone I can talk to right now that understands this this suffering, but I know that Christ does. And somehow that felt like um, like a solidarity with, with God and within that pain, in that struggle. And so... Um, yeah, that's kind of what I was learning in, in, in that moment. I've continued to kind of cycle back there and to try to pick out more of, like, what is that? Like, what kind of um, peace? Like, wh- where does that peace come from? That, like, not just does it come from Christ, but, like, what's behind the peace? You know, like, what is the human condition where we can connect with a, a God uh, <laughs> and, and be okay with suffering? Yeah. You know, um, many people talk about even, like, that have been tortured. They talk about how in the beginning the initial part is bad, but then they have must have like this mystical experience of like they get beyond the, the suffering. Hmm. And so, um, what is that human condition? That what what takes us there? Um, and that's kind of what I've been trying to pull out and, and stretch. Um, Are you familiar with Walter Brueggemann? Yeah, a little bit, but I don't know a ton about him. But he, I know some. He wrote like the prophetic imagination, but right. he, he came out with a book during COVID. Um, I actually forget what the name of it is. It's something about like faith in the virus or something like that. And uh, but what he says, he does this whole um, research project on pestilence. Like he takes, you know, he says that the Bible is pre-scientific, and so you can't do this like one-to-one sort of comparison of biblical things to r- current realities in some ways. But he looks at the virus and he says 
pestilence kind of represents that in the Old Testament. And he does mm-hmm. the study of where pestilence is present. And then he shares that in almost every case, mm-hmm. pestilence is to bring about faith. Right. And, and in some ways, I mean, when you're talking about like just your connection with God in the midst of dealing with a virus, yeah. uh, it made me think, wow, I, <laughs> I just heard him talking about that yesterday. And uh, here you are saying like uh, that virus, that sickness, that that feverishness, it yeah. brought me closer to God or made me consider God or my relationship with God or right. my peace and my faith in God. Like that just, it's really kind of a cool thing, man. Yeah. It's it, awesome. It was, it was, it's, that was an interesting experience. Um, I, the other thing that I've really been stretching out is the idea of like, so what does, what does God have for, for us right now in this, in this moment? And like, uh, Amber and I are both, you know, we're homebodies it, it, I think at heart and we actually loved having our schedules cleared so we actually did quarantine really really well like it was really good for us um which is so strange for so many people because so many people really suffered like from a behavioral standpoint or whatever else so it's not that um we're a higher being or anything it's just that like it's just who we are in tuned with um but even thinking about like well, so what is god calling for us now like and i think that that's what the church is struggling with hmm so some church, some of the church, I think, is to get back to that, and I don't want to make it too big of a circle because I want to hear what you've learned. But I feel like many, many people within the church have said, "Listen, um, what God's trying to give us is we need to protest and we need to stand up for our faith." Maybe, hmm. and, and then there's other people that are like, you know, you know, we need to take this very safe. We need to care for people, and, and that's cool too. But I also think that maybe God was trying to pull back a generation of contemplative thoughts and mindset of like you know when you are alone and in, in like the quiet that like christ can seem really near and um we, we lose that in the the hubbub of you know uh, i think the evangelical church like the mainline church and you know catholic and orthodox churches do contemplative processes pretty well um better than the evangelical um but but maybe maybe Christ is saying, hey, listen, like this is a, a time where we need to, um, you know, turn our hearts towards Him, and to um, just kind of let that soak in for us, and not be in, you know, the whole world's going through this at the time at this time. Like, can we have enough faith that like the Holy Spirit can take care of itself? You know, like, we, do we need to go to all the world right now when yeah. the whole world is shut down? Mm. You know, like maybe, maybe, maybe there's a message from the Holy Spirit there of like this is this is a time for this is just a you and God time. So, um, something else I've been thinking about. That's cool, man. I, just in terms of schedules being clear, like we we definitely had that happen with us, and it was a really good thing as well. And uh, like the slowed down, the forced slowdown was good. It was not just good for us; it was good for our family. It was good for our children. It yeah. was good for us to be more present and not always going to the next thing. Uh, we just in spades it was good and then you just look around at the world like i'm a i love the outside world i mm-hmm. love creation uh, to me the outside world is the fifth gospel it's the mm-hmm. that the visual representation of uh, matthew mark luke and john it's it's mm-hmm. god come down and just shows us how good he is yeah and uh, and just as you saw the world forced into a quarantine position you saw smog over cities lift mm-hmm. you saw our carbon footprint in the world decrease. I mean, just all of these wonderful things. Mm-hmm. Like, so I don't know. We're we're all getting busier and busier and busier again. And 
I'm a little sad about it. Yeah. Uh, but I guess, you know, at the end of the day, we're only responsible for how busy our schedules are, though. Right? Oh, yeah. Totally. Totally. And I, so. I'm trying really hard to make sure that I don't over-busy my schedule again. Yeah. Like, that's been, that's definitely been something I've been attempting to do. Like, leave mm-hmm. the phone. Like, don't have it in my pocket all the time. Put it mm-hmm. down. Walk away from it. Yeah. Like, let my days that are supposed to be off days or days spent with my family be those days and not be connected to my phone on those that's times. That's cool. So those are things that I've definitely been trying to maintain since the quarantine, and uh, it's been good so far. Uh, I'm going to try and keep doing that. The other thing that I think I've been thinking a lot about has been Sermon on the Mount. Mm-hmm. It's been this, this like, and whether you believe that Jesus literally gave that full-on Matthew 5, 6, and 7 in one solid shot, or you believe that that's just kind of a best-of compilation. These mm-hmm. are the things that Jesus taught regularly over and over, and and the disciples, as they wrote down the, the you know the story of Jesus's ministry life, they kind of lumped them together in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, it, it doesn't really matter your take on that, but the Sermon on the Mount, regardless, is teachings of Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, they're the red letters in our in our scripture. They're the if Jesus came to care for the the poor and the sick and the afflicted, if he came to um, to bring sight to the blind, like it, he he shares those words as sort of a mission statement for himself, mm-hmm. and then and then we see this this long sermon that outlines all of these different beliefs in how we should kind of interact with the world and the people around us uh, and how that brings us into communion with God. The question that I keep coming back to is, is what if, what if God was, what if Jesus was serious about those words mm-hmm. and are we taking them seriously? Yeah. Um, like I, and I think specifically right now, I cannot help but be focused on love. Mm-hmm. There's so much, so much a call to love mm-hmm. in, in that that passage in these teachings of Jesus. Uh, yeah. and, and whether that's like, hey, you've heard it said an eye for an eye, but I tell you this new thing where yeah. you're supposed to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Like those words alone, like don't even couple them with the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Don't even couple them with any other teachings of love on Jesus. Like those words alone are so poignant right. for this moment in time, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. And in so many ways, it's a place where the church has failed so hard. Mm-hmm. Love of your enemies. Like, yeah. what, does that, what does that mean? Yeah. I think that in some ways, our faith hinges on those words. Yeah. If we can't, like, sure, you can decide to love your neighbor, and you can try and decide who your neighbor is and who your neighbor isn't, um, because there's certain people that you feel like you don't need to love, you don't need to care about, or you can ignore, whatever. But in order to even have that conversation, Mm-hmm. which we often have in church world where we're trying to decide who is our neighbor. I mean, that's exactly why Jesus tells the, the parable, right? Because the guy's like, well, who is my neighbor? Like right. he's trying to kind of get out of it in some ways. But that's ignoring the fact that Jesus tells you to love your enemies. Yeah. He's telling you to love your enemies. He's telling you to love everybody. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. He, he says even the pagans love those who love them, right? right? Even the people who don't believe in me, who mm-hmm. don't follow me, love the people who love them. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you to go a step further and love your enemies. Right. I think he was yeah. serious. Yeah. I do think he was serious about it, and I feel like we failed there. Yeah. And uh, and I guess I don't know. I don't know. I don't know exactly what's going to come of that thinking and, and some of the processing I've been doing around that. Um, yeah. Maybe I'm going to keep talking about it at my church, and maybe people are going to get tired of me talking about love. I'm not sure. I actually am doing a uh, series on Jonah okay. coming up in November. Yeah. And part of the purpose of that is because I think an overarching part of the story of Jonah is enemy love. Yeah. I mean, it is literally sending Jonah to the people who were his enemies, who were scary, who were terrifying who had destroyed a, a large part of the world, yeah. who were some of the scariest peoples of that time. 
and he was supposed to go tell yeah. them to repent. Which, not by by the way, is also the reason that like Gentiles were it was acceptable for Jesus to say, "Maybe I came for other people other than the Jews." Like, <laughs> you know, like Jonah was pretty important. Yeah, yeah, it went, as like a pivot point for like, hey, listen, it's just not them. <laughs> so, um, you know, one other thing I've been thinking about is the idea that um, the disciples weren't dumb. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, uh, caveat, uh, the, I don't think the disciples were dumb. And uh, I think that they look like idiots in the gospel. And I think that there's a whole lot of people, including probably myself, who looks at Scripture and is like, obviously Jesus means this. Obviously Jesus means that. And uh, I think that there is so much depth to that those words that uh, maybe, maybe we haven't even gotten to the place where we've construed everything that's there you know i pulled everything out um because uh i don't think the disciples are idiots and i I think that there's a lot of people that will take the text and they'll say word for word like this is what this is what jesus meant it's like see what you're telling me is that you have the ability to uh you know interpret god great that's cool but how about there's something else there maybe too you yeah, know, like, and, and I and that's something that I've been really thinking a lot about lately. Yeah, Jesus' words are wide. Like they're oh, they're man. like, it, your context matters. Yeah. Like your perspective matters. Like yeah. and where you de- like where you are right now in the midst of everything we just caught up about and talked about gives you one perspective on the words of Jesus, and where you'll be next year and where you were last year give you a different perspective on the same words of Jesus. Oh, and yeah. that's one of the be- most beautiful wide things about it. Uh, and I think that that's where like you know when it says that um, you know. The gospel is like living and active. <laughs> like it's the word of God really is living and active. Like you can, it continues to shift into like what your perception and reality is at that time. That like it, it continuing to add truth, but um, God is still speaking. But 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 it, it's that's the depth of it, I think. And um, yeah, it, it's something that's that's. I think that at one point in my life, I would read scripture and I would interpret it and I would tell people this is how it is. Hmm. And uh, I think I'm trying to do a little bit less of that in the sense that, like, um, <laughs> as soon as you you get into the place of you're telling people, this is exactly what the text means, and it does not, you know, it's se- it, a lot of the separation. Maybe what I'm looking for is so much unity because of the separation of everything in my reality and for, like, politics or whatever else. Um, but I feel like as soon as you start separating and you're making, especially in the, the church, making these things of like, well, this is what God stands for. This is what it is. This is how it is. And I think, well, Jesus looked at like the teachers in the law and told them like, you think, but mm-hmm. this is actually how it is. Because every single time, the, why was he picking fights with the teachers of the law and the, and the Pharisees? Because they were saying, well, this is how it is. And Jesus like, no, it's not. <laughs> and have we... As the church, have we gotten back into the place where, like, we think we're the disciples or we think that we're, you know, a follower of Christ, but we're just a new version of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law? Mm. Whoa, big question. Big question. Sounds like an episode. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe maybe we can get there, I guess. But that's something I've been thinking about a lot lately, too. It's awesome. Uh, so Good catch up, man. Dude, so good.